This podcast episode is sponsored by Sprout Living. There are a lot of plant-based protein powders to choose from. So I want to tell you about one of my favorite companies called Sprout Living and their protein powders. They're delicious, nutrient dense, and they don't make you feel bloated. What makes them different is they avoid a lot of unnecessary additives that many others on the market use. This means they don't use any gums, thickeners, or natural flavorings. Instead, they only use whole foods, herbs, spices, and adaptogens, which is cool because it makes the blends multifunctional, aka it's more than just a protein powder. They have a bunch of different flavors, and they even have sample packs so you can test out several different flavors, which is really fun. This makes it really easy to find something that you'll enjoy. Check them out and use the code PLANTCENTERED for 20% off your order. Welcome to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Kitchens. I'm a plant-based registered dietitian and virtual nutrition mentor. I was raised on an Angus cattle farm, grew up with a lot of GI issues, and used the power of plant-based eating to promote healing. Here, you'll find inspiration, ideas, and encouragement for your own plant-based journey. I'm so thrilled you're here today. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast. Y'all, I am so excited for today's episode. I feel like this has been a long time coming and several of you have requested us to talk about the keto diet. So that is what we are going to do today. We're going to talk about what it's used for, really what is it, what it's used for medically, and how it was turned into this sensationalized diet. We get into some juicy, I don't know if it's gossip, Katie, or if it's facts, but whatever it is, I'm really excited. Keto has been, it's been a hot topic for many, many years now, and we're going to kind of get into how it became this super hot topic. I'm sure you've heard stories of how everyone from like movie stars to your cousin or your coworker or your brother or sister or uncle, you know, whatever all that stuff is, how they've (laughs) lost like 10 pounds in 10 days with the keto diet. But the question is, is keto some miracle diet that we all need to hop on? Or is it just another money generating bad diet? I want to know, Ashley. I want to know. Yeah. (laughs) So let's go, let's talk about like what the keto diet actually means. And then we're going to talk about why it exists. So the ketogenic diet, it is high in fat, moderate in protein and low, very low in carbohydrates. And so already you can kind of see like, "Eh, this is not typically what's recommended, you know, for quote, general health reasons. So on a keto diet, basically carbs from all sources are severely restricted. So the goal is to keep your carbohydrate intake below 50, usually around 20 to 50 grams a day. And this is about 5% of your total caloric intake for your day. So for reference, just so you kind of know between 20 and 50 grams, what that looks like. A medium banana is about 27 grams of carbohydrates and a cup of spaghetti, which is a very small portion has about 43 grams of carbohydrates. So that kind of gives you a reference of what 20 to 50 sort of looks like. So often breads, grains, cereals, a lot of fruits, a lot of vegetables are very, very limited because they just contain too many carbs. They don't fit into the ketogenic diet and those, you know, the quote rules that come with it. So as you can imagine, it requires very, very big shifts in how you and I would usually eat, especially if you're eating a plant-based diet, which is pretty high in carbohydrates, right, Katie? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So when you're eating a ketogenic diet, this puts your body into a metabolic state called 
ketosis. And ketosis is a process that happens basically when your body doesn't have enough carbohydrates to burn for energy. So instead it burns fat and it makes these things called ketones and ketones can be used for fuel. So ketones, they eventually, instead of using carbohydrates or glucose, ketones become the primary source of fuel for the body. And just to make note too, glucose is actually the, the primary source of fuel, especially for our precious little brain, which loves, 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 loves glucose. So the ketogenic diet, and we're going to get into this a little bit more. It's basically like a partial fast. So during total, like a total fast, or like when you're completely starving yourself, the body has obviously no source of energy. So it ends up breaking down lean muscle mass for fuel. But with the keto diet, you're able to, with those ketones being able you know, to be a source of energy, it's not a full fast and your body doesn't have to necessarily break down lean muscle mass. So it's, it's able to preserve some of that. Um, and we'll kind of talk about why that was used, especially in, in therapy for a specific population. So why does it even exist in the first place? Way back when in the 1920s, Dr. Wilder, he coined the term quote, ketogenic diet. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, but Katie, get this. So how this all came about actually dates back to around 400 to 500 BC. So Ooh. long ago. Yes. <laughs> we think so, we're new and we're <laughs> hip and we're happening. We found this brand new thing. No, right. Behind the times. <laughs> <laughs> So around then, around 400, 500 BC, this is when diet therapy seemed to have an impact on people with epilepsy. So there was a case of a man whose epilepsy was quote, cured through complete abstinence of food and drink. So he was basically starving himself and he cured his epilepsy. The Royal physician at the time, but way back when he declared quote, one inclining to epilepsy should be made to fast without mercy and be put on short rations and quote, yikes. And hence diet culture was born, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Basically. Oh my goodness. Without mercy. Oh my gosh. That's going to stick with me. Yes. Right. Okay, Katie. So fast forward to 1911. This was when the first modern study of fasting as a treatment for epilepsy was done in France. And what ended up happening was 20 epilepsy patients of all ages were quote detoxified by consuming a very, very low calorie vegetarian diet combined with periods of fasting and purging. So two benefited enorm enormously from, from following this diet with their epilepsy. But as you can imagine, most people who tried this failed to comply with it just because it was so heavily restricted. And the reason they were using diet as a form of therapy back then too, is because at the time medications weren't super reliable people, they felt like they were being like their brain was being dulled when they were taking these anti-convulsant medications. Um, and there were a lot of side effects. So that's why, you know, people were trying all sorts of things just because medicine hadn't quite caught up yet. So around this time, Dr. Conklin began to treat his epilepsy patients by recommending fasting. So this is obviously you know, a very popular thing at the time. He recommended a fast of at least 18 to 25 days. And they think that he treat, treated like hundreds of patients, hundreds of epilepsy patients with this you know, water diet. And he boasted a 90% cure rate in children. 
which is pretty significant. So this was definitely starting to catch on. It's like, okay, obviously there's, there's something related to fasting and epilepsy and treating epilepsy, but this is not something that people can sustain long-term, especially kids, you know, they're, they're hungry and they're asking mom and dad for food. And of course mom and dad has to deny them food. And it was just, it was a really challenging time for families, especially, and obviously for medical providers too. So we're jumping ahead to the 1920s. And this is when the classic therapeutic ketogenic diet was coined. And this was by a guy named Dr. Wilder. So he found that the ketogenic diet which is again, like what we talked about, very, very high in fat, moderate in protein and very low in carbohydrates mimicked fasting, but kind of like what we also talked about, it also helped preserve lean muscle tissue. And, you know, when kids are put on this diet, at least they're able to eat something. So they're not, you know, begging mom and dad for food. And he tried this diet on a few of his epilepsy patients in 1921. And this was when like the first use of the ketogenic diet as a treatment for epilepsy started to occur. Crazy. Crazy. I mean, my mind is going a million miles an hour thinking, why, how did we get where we are today? Yes. Uh, Oh, oh yeah. Crazy. (laughs) Just you wait. It is going to blow up the internet when the internet exists. (laughs) So what ends up happening is the ketogenic diet, it was widely used in the 1920s and the 1930s, but then finally medications started to catch up. And so as the introduction of anticonvulsant medications started coming up um, that were actually effective, then the diet sort of started to wane just because people were, would rather, you know, eat regularly, eat foods that they enjoyed and take medication versus like eating a really, really high fat diet where they maybe felt restricted. How dare they? (laughs) I know. Yeah. We'll fast forward to 1994. And some of you may remember this listening. So there was a resurgence of the ketogenic diet as a treatment for epilepsy in 1994, because Hollywood producer, Jim Abrahams had a son with severe epilepsy and they were able to effectively control it using the ketogenic diet. And so he ended up creating after his named after his son, the Charlie foundation for ketogenic therapies to further promote this whole diet therapy. There was a lot of publicity at the time, and this included appearances on NBC's dateline. And then there was a made for TV film called first do no harm with Meryl Streep. I don't know if any of you listening, remember that movie where it basically kind of reenacted this, what Jim Abrahams and his son were experiencing. And then in 1996, two years later, the foundation sponsored a research study and the results from the study basically marked the beginning of this renewed scientific interest in the diet. And so this is still, this is not anything fad diet related. This is still for therapeutic purposes, but now we're going to get into the fad diet (laughs) and how it became about, because that's a big question. And actually I was talking to my parents about this earlier and my dad was like, okay, well, it was a, it was a treatment for epilepsy, but how the heck did it turn into this fad diet that everyone's using to lose weight? And it's all over the internet and everyone's talking about it. So I'm like, oh, we're going to get to that. (laughs) Hurry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, Katie. So now we're going to transition into talking about using the ketogenic diet for non-therapeutic reasons. And I say keto as a fad diet because it promises quick weight loss. It promises better health. It eliminates entire food groups and foods. And so that's sort of like the definition of 
a fad diet. So we're transitioning from it being used as a therapeutic diet to a fad diet. The underlying principle of keto is to extremely restrict your carbohydrate level and to lower your insulin, decrease glucose energy being used and adapt the, and basically you're adapting the body to use ketones from fat as its primary source of fuel versus carbohydrates or glucose. Okay. So now we're getting into the the massive tea. Here we go. In 1976, something called the last in 1976, something called the last chance diet took off and you and I were both, were not alive, but I don't know if anyone listening remembers that, that diet book sort of taking off. Um, basically the rule with this diet is you drink a high fat, high protein, concoction until you lose however much weight you want to lose. So you basically just stay on it until you lose the desired amount of weight. This diets creator, the diets creator, he sold $40 million worth of this concoction, $40 million. And this is in the seventies. So this is, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Social media wasn't around. Yeah. That's a big difference way back then. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So the thing is you were when you went on this elixir, this concoction, this high fat, high protein drink, you were supposed to have physician supervision to make sure that you were still getting all the necessary vitamins and minerals and all that kind of stuff. But Katie, as you can imagine, most people did not do that. They didn't tell their physician that they were going on this concoction. Ain't nobody so, got time for that. <laughs> no, they just did it. Cause they're like, I want, I want quick weight loss. And so what's happening though, as you're drinking this, this concoction is your body is literally being robbed of nutrients and it can't per- perform certain functions. And so the diet ended up contributing to at least 60 deaths. And they think it's even more than that, which is it just makes you think how crazy it is that we put such a pressure on that number on the scale that we're willing to be, (laughs) we're willing to deprive ourselves, be, you know, our brain is starved for energy. (laughs) You know, I can't imagine what they were walking around like zombies. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, drinking this concoction, which I can probably best tasted disgusting. Oh yeah. Uh, and so, you know, all for the benefit of losing weight to somehow, you know, be able to look at ourselves in the morning or to please our spouse, or cause we think we're going to attract a certain person, or that's going to be the key to happiness. Just all this stuff. It just goes to show you how powerful it is because we're going to adapt this extreme example that was used to treat an extreme medical issue. And we're going to, we're just going to say, okay, we'll do it. We don't need medical supervision. Let's just, Mm -hmm. let's just do it. And because losing weight is the number one priority health way down here. (laughs) Right. Yep, exactly. Yeah. It's so wild. So that was in the mid seventies. So now we're going to jump ahead to the mid eighties, about 1988. This was the gateway. Have you heard of OptiFast? So, yeah. So just like the last chance diet, it is also a liquid diet, but Katie, we learned our lesson with the last chance diet. So this OptiFast, it includes all the sufficient vitamins and minerals you need. Plus ding, 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 a celebrity endorser. 
So, oh my gosh, who is it? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Katie, or even you listening, who was a very, very popular TV host in the eighties and nineties. It's a woman. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Very, very popular. Oh oh my goodness. (laughs) She loves bread. Yeah. (laughs) Oprah Winfrey. And maybe some of you can actually remember this. So she did OptiFast for four months. And if you were watching Oprah back in the late eighties, she opens up one of her shows by pulling a rag, wagon, by pulling a red wagon that contains 67 pounds of pig and beef fat. And I looked this up and I, I, I watched like the clip and I was, it was a little appalling because she's literally walking into her show with this red wagon. And there's this like mound of fat. I remember that, but I didn't, I didn't remember that that's the, I didn't remember that that's the diet that she followed. Mm -hmm. Um, That is so interesting because that, I mean, 80s, 88 or something. So I was seven. I remember, I remember that. Wow. Wow. And I didn't, I didn't watch Oprah. So it must've been on the news or something. Oh, I'm sure. It must've been so popular and it's still in my brain. That's crazy. Yeah. So she's like walking out to her audience and she's basically telling them like, Hey, this is how much weight I've lost. And who does she credit or what does she credit? She credits OptiFast. So whatever looks, whatever viral looked like back then OptiFast went viral (laughs) and it received more than 200,000 inquiries. Like people were going crazy. And what this also ended up doing was it opened up the doors for more research to be done on diets like this that are basically like the the keto diet. Um, So you're basically fasting yourself, but you're still giving your body fat and a little bit of proteins that's not eating its muscle for fuel. So we're going to fast forward another couple of decades. The keto diet starts becoming really, really popular among bodybuilders because they're able to, as you can imagine, drop fat really, really quickly for their competitions. And this with like the whole repopularization of the Atkins diet in the two thousands, Americans, we started really like, Oh, you know, maybe there is something to this. Like Oprah's talking about it, you know, 12 years ago. And now these bodybuilders are really starting to talk about it. And so, you know, word is kind of starting to spread and this whole idea of a low carb diet, especially with Atkins is becoming more and more popularized and people are thinking, okay, well, maybe it is safe and effective and can be used as a a diet and a a weight loss tool. I think that's such an important key is that people assume because everybody's talking about it, that it must be safe and effective. And, and again, I think you said early 2000s before social media. So, you know, everybody's just watching kind of the six o'clock news and reading the paper or whatever. That's how they're still getting in their information. And that's how popular it takes off. And then word of mouth. And you're like, well, it can't be not good if everybody's talking about it. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. What a dangerous assumption. I think it just, you know, stresses how important research is and to be able to say, okay, is this actually safe for me? Who is telling me that it's safe? Yes. Right. Right. I mean, and that's the case even nowadays, like these influencers, they have a massive impact on what we think or what we believe or what we do. And sometimes people don't even recognize the power that they have as well when they're sort of like boasting about the benefits of these different things. But Katie, we're, we're just getting started. So we haven't even like really dished the tea yet. So that was in the 2000s. And then in 2013, a study on the keto diet is published in science 
And the keto is talked about, you know, like slowing the aging process and, you know, one, it may allow for scientists to better treat and prevent age-related disease like Alzheimer's and possibly many forms of cancers. So, and, and heart disease. So more research is being done. And because of this research that's coming out, there is a group of people called biohackers who begin to self-experiment with this data and research that's coming out. So think of like Silicon Valley and like tech people, you know, there's a lot of biohackers out there. And one of them is Tim Ferriss. So he, he went to Princeton. He's an entrepreneur. He's an investor. He's an author and he's a podcaster, a, a lifestyle guru. Like he's done a lot of great things. He wrote the book, the four hour work week and the four hour body, um, which I remember being very, very popular. And they probably still are today, but especially back then Four hour work week. Absolutely. Yeah. So he starts dabbling into the keto diet. And then he starts writing about it on his blog and not just about the keto diet, but about the benefits of the keto diet. And at the time he has about 1 million monthly followers. So as you can imagine, as he's typing on his keyboard, talking about the keto diet and its benefits, his followers start testing out the keto diet. And then something happens that basically skyrockets the keto diet to like the top of Google news on November 3rd, 2015, Tim Ferriss, he airs a podcast with Dom D'Agostino on fasting ketosis. And this is the big kicker and the end of cancer. So as you can imagine, a headline like that is incredibly clickbait worthy. So that podcast episode basically goes, it doesn't, it goes viral and it talks about how cancer cells are highly dependent on glucose and insulin and possibly by doing keto that those cancer cells can die. And then that is quote, the end of cancer. So Katie, we just talked about this podcaster. Who's another podcaster that we just love. He who, he who shall not be named. <laughs> and maybe you listening can guess who we're talking about. One of the most, I think probably the most popular podcaster. So this buzz on the ketogenic diet opens up the doors for keto to be discussed on the Joe Rogan experience and Joe Rogan. He doesn't have a million followers. He has 30 million monthly listeners. And they also start hearing from keto experts like D'Agostino. And this is in about November, 2017. So really not that long ago. I mean, five, six years ago. Not long ago at all. Yeah. It feels very fresh. It feels it like, does. Uh, it just, it just started. Yeah. Yep. So keto starts spreading like wildfire. It goes from biohacker community in Silicon Valley to basically the rest of the country, even the rest of the world. And within a year of it being on Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan talking about it, keto cookbooks are flooding the market, you know, searches for keto hit 17 million per month. It's estimated to be this multi, multi-billion dollar industry. It just, it goes wild. So this is an example of how really just a few people in the past, you know, few decades really popularized this way of eating this diet and turned it into a fad diet that was once used for therapeutic purposes, twisted it immensely into this fad diet that we know today. It's crazy. I mean, it's like a game of telephone, 
right? Where, yes. where it starts with a lot of science evidence backing for these extreme problems that you're trying to maybe use extreme solutions for, um, you know, cause what's the lesser of two evils starving to death or having ep epilepsy. And, you know, you know, you have, and, you know, when you're talking about way back when, you know, they didn't, they were trying everything because we didn't have the advances that we had before in terms of sharing information and all that stuff. And so again, the dilution that happens from starting here and then the what makes it popular is for the every man to use it to lose weight it's just bananas mm -hmm. it's just yep. crazy what our priorities are and aren't when it comes to kind of mass media hysteria on how we look and how much we weigh mm -hmm. yep and i was and i think that's what i was most curious about is how did it go from this therapeutic diet that was used to treat kids with epilepsy to this fad diet that we know today. And that sort of helped bridge the gap there. And, but what, like what we want you to know as a listener is, is the ketogenic diet safe or is it something that we would recommend? And I'm going to make a pretty extreme claim here and say that any dietitian who's done the research is not going to recommend the ketogenic diet they are absolutely not going to recommend it. And they are going to direct you in a completely different direction. Part of that reasoning is side effects can include constipation, high cholesterol, um, acidosis, kidney stones, people with pancreatic disease, liver conditions, thyroid problems, any, anybody with a history of eating disorder or dis disordered eating, gallbladder disease, like is absolutely not recommended for them, but it's definitely not recommended for the general public. There are both short-term and long-term health risks for all people, people associated with the keto diet. Short-term health risks are like flu-like symptoms. So your body, you're basically, your body is coming off of carbohydrates and it's kind of in this, like, what the heck are you doing to me mode? And this can lead to upset stomachs, headaches, fatigue, dizzy spells. Um, again, something called the keto flu, because when you start the ketogenic diet, it's stressful for your body because it's dealing with symptoms of carbohydrate withdrawal. You're depriving your body of its known and favorite source of energy, which is glucose. And you force it to use fat and ketones instead, because Katie, as you can imagine too, when you're on the ketogenic diet, you're not getting things most often like vitamin C, magnesium, definitely not getting fiber. And so because of that, not only has the ketogenic diet become this like multi-billion dollar industry, but supplements to supplement with while you're on the ketogenic diet have also become incredibly popular. And one thing we know about carbohydrates, especially from whole grains and fruits and vegetables, these whole food sources of carbohydrates, they're full of fiber and they're full of nutrients and they help maintain bowel health. They help normalize your bowel movements. They help lower cholesterol, help control your blood sugar, even fiber and carbohydrates have helped shown have shown to help you live longer. There are a lot of benefits of including carbohydrates and especially, you know, whole forms of carbohydrates that have a lot of nutrients and that have a lot of fiber in them. There's been a lot of benefits to those. On the ketogenic diet, some people report trouble sleeping. And then also, as you can imagine, there is an, a very, very high risk for constipation. Um, and so most people who are on the uh, most people who are on the keto diet have to take a fiber supplement because things are not moving very well. 
And I think that's just funny when uh, that's such the big argument with plant-based eating is like, okay, you have to take a B12 supplement. If you have to supplement, then that must mean it's, uh, you know, that must mean there's something wrong with it. If you can't get it from anything. And it's like, look at all these supplements we're talking about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a really good point. Actually. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. Cause your intake of even like vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin K folate, those are usually low. And so there's a lot of issues with just the potential of becoming nutrient deficient on this diet. And then also to your risk of like kidneys, kidney stones go up, liver disease, um, and then obviously the deficiencies that we talked about. And then also too, Katie, the high fat nature of the keto diet is incredibly controversial. You know, a lot of research has indicated that diets high in saturated fat may increase your risk of heart disease and other chronic health problems. The risk that keto dieters might be facing in regards to their long-term cardiovascular health just really isn't fully studied. Research findings on the benefits of the keto diet for various health claims, kind of like what we talked about earlier with like the podcast headline are extremely limited. The studies on effectiveness of the keto diet were, they're usually conducted in small groups of people. And even like a lot of the research is, especially in relationship to like Alzheimer's disease is on, it's done on lab animals or rats. And so to fully assess the safety of this eating pattern. Like there has to be more research that, that needs to be done. Um, which honestly, I don't even feel like more research needs to be done. I feel like we know the answer, but that is just my personal professional opinion. But I think that shows that the research, I mean, those are, you know, Alzheimer's, uh, epilepsy, those are extreme examples of using this as a prescription. It doesn't mean that you, a healthy 30 year old needs to use this to lose 10 pounds, to get ready for your bikini body, you know, it's just, right. Uh, you're not looking at apples to apples. That is, those are two different planets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they really are. And I'm sure you listening, like you've heard of someone who's tried keto, or maybe even you've tried keto, but most people who try it really aren't able to stick with it long-term and the weight that they lose initially, they gain that weight back and not just that weight, but often they gain even more weight back because they're in this state of restriction for so long, they are, you know, they, they crave these foods that they have restricted. And so they go back to their previous way of eating and they gain the weight back. And like I said, oftentimes even more weight. And I liked this statement. It comes from the Mayo clinic and it says, quote, while the ketogenic diet may be recommended for some people with uncontrolled epilepsy, the high fat content, and especially the high level of saturated fat combined with limits on nutrient rich fruits, vegetables, and grains is a concern for long-term heart health. I thought that beautifully yeah. summed it up. So the bottom line, the ketogenic diet, incredibly restrictive. It had a beautiful start in the beginning but it was twisted into this fad diet that has become an incredibly multi-billion dollar industry. The ketogenic diet, bottom line, is a therapeutic diet for epileptic patients. The ketogenic diet is not a preferred state for the body, and we do not recommend it. Yeah, I think with any diet, especially a fad diet that's out there, something, especially like the keto diet that's again, spread like wildfire. You just really have to be aware of, okay, where is this information coming from? Why is it such a hot topic right now? And is this truly right for me? And, and two, why am I even thinking about doing it? 
those of you who have taken our course, we kind of break down, you know, macronutrients and micronutrients and talk about the importance of fats, the importance of carbs, the importance of protein, they all work together to keep us healthy. And so when you start to mess around with that formula, you better know what you do it, you know? Mm -hmm. So we're on the mountaintop trying to make sure I, you know, I want that to be part of my legacy is to make sure that other people aren't suffering and, you know, torturing themselves based on something, you know, they want a quick fix to get a certain number on the scale, which is not going to bring you happiness. We got to do so much other work uh, besides that. I couldn't agree more. And even Katie, when you look at the blue zones and they're those, you know, the people who like live the longest in the world, they eat a carbohydrate rich diet, which maybe we should do another po- uh, podcast on that. That could be kind Ooh, of fun. Yeah. Blue zones. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, if you have any questions on keto or if there's something that we didn't quite answer, let us know on social media, or if you really liked this podcast, because I think it would be really beneficial for other people to hear it as well. We would love for you to share it on social media and tag us at plant center nutrition and at plant-centered Katie so that we can thank you. And we just really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for listening to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast today. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with a friend or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally say thank you. Until next time, keep thriving.